Decidedly Dry. I'm your host, Jess Steitzer. This is a sober podcast where we actually focus on the good. Amazing, right? We spark inspiration. We try to provide some hope and we help motivate you. I promise to always keep it real, provide some dry humor, and remind you every single episode why sobriety is truly a superpower. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, just head on over to decidedlydry.com. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's get started. Episode five. Holy Toledo, you guys. Look at us go. Whoop, whoop. You can't see me, but I definitely raised the roof for that whoop, whoop. And I'm sure you can hear uh, Jess is a little nasally. I am waiting on the sexy, raspy voice. But right now, I am just nasally. Um, so sorry about that. I told you I was going to keep it real, right? All right. So let's stay focused. Uh, Who do I have for you today? Today is Miss Jen Butler. Jen is another sober mama that I am friends with over in the Insta world. Our conversation is great. I mean, all of these are great, but we touch a lot on the mommy wine culture. We chat about fitness, sobriety, sober parenting, and more. Uh, Jen is just, she's simply amazing. She's doing really incredible things now that she's retired the old wine glass. And rather than list them all here, I am going to let her tell you all about it. So enjoy episode five, and I am going to go get some more hot tea. Well, hello, everybody. This is Jess, and today I have a special guest, my dear friend, Jen. Jen, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, Jess, I'm so happy to be here. We did a Instagram live a while back. This is so fun because I feel like it's a reunion with a lot of I my know, Instagram live. <laughs> I'm like, yay, we get to connect again. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> so um, it's just so great to have you back on. And I'm so excited to talk about your story again and share it with all the listeners and also really dive into motherhood and parenting, yes. both yes. as like a drinking parent and a sober parent and kind of mm-hmm. uh, compare the two and have a really good conversation about that. Awesome. So to get started, you know the drill. This is pretty much how we do things, but um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, if you have kids, where you live, job, what you like to do for fun. And then lastly, I'm sure you'll remember all of these points, by the way. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, how long you've been sober or alcohol-free. Yes. Okay. I was just going to say, if I skip any of them, just let me know, Jess, and I will, I will, you will go hear back. an alarm. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> my, my chair will start vibrating. Um, so I'm Jen Butler. I am 41. Oh my gosh. Um, mom of two, my daughter just turned 10 and my son will be turning eight in March. And I also have two dogs and a husband. I live in Westchester County, New York. So we're just North of New York city. We've been here for about six and a half years, which I actually just realized the other day is the longest I've ever lived anywhere. No way. So that's been kind of interesting to ponder, you know, that I now have been in this house, in this place, um, the longest that I've ever lived anywhere in my entire life. So it's kind of an, I'm, it's sort of an interesting little moment here in my life. Um, So I was a stay at home mom for 10 years, kind of reluctantly at first. And then I sort of got used to it. 
um, did a lot of volunteer work all along the way, and I continue to do that. I'm currently the vice chair of my elementary school PTA. I'm the so president. I, stop. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder we are so connected. I'm going to be the chair next year. So I will be um, calling you and crying and asking you to help me stay sane. I'm okay. sure. I love it. Um, yes. So that's going on. So that's kind of a two-year thing that I'm doing at the moment. And in September, I launched my, my life and sobriety coaching practice. It's called Joy Enduring. That's been awesome and just very fulfilling for me um, and really just a way for me to to use my sobriety to help others, which is just what I want to do. And that's why I'm, I'm so excited to be talking to you because I really think that there's so much power in sharing our stories and reaching out to people who need support. Um, what did I miss, Jess? Uh, how long have you been sober? I have been sober since July 5th, 2018. 2018. Oh yeah, my gosh. So it'll be four years this summer. Yeah. Which is that just is so awesome. great. You know, I feel like the days go so slowly at first. And then all of a sudden you're in three digits and four digits. And I, you know, I just kind of can't believe it. Um, it's wild. It is wild. Wild. Yeah. Okay. This is totally not on your list. I'm already going off, off your Go. prepared list, but Go. I'm curious. So you are coming up on four years. I just celebrated two. Um, did you find that any block went slower or faster? Have you felt like it just gets That's easier so as time goes on? I'm curious because um, you're ahead of me. So it always sure. interesting. Yeah, you know, it definitely gets easier for sure. You know, everybody says that, but they, everybody says it because it's true. Um, you know, I think the further you go, just alcohol just dwindles more and more and it becomes less and less significant in your life until there are days when, you know, I mean, because I do the work I do, I am kind of always thinking about sobriety. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of me drinking, there are days that go by where I, it doesn't occur to me at all, you know, mm -hmm. and that to me is a miracle and definitely did not happen at first. Right. Um, so I would say, you know, the first break I did, which was dry January, 2018, the days went very slowly you know, but the more, um, and then I took another break after that. And then I broke for a year and I've never gone back. So I sort of took three big breaks. Um, one of which has never ended, I guess, yeah. but, uh, you know, the, I would say days leading up to holidays, kind of getting through holidays for the first time, those days would seem sort of slow or more arduous. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as soon as I kind of conquered that milestone, you know, my first sober birthday, my first sober Christmas, things like that, new year's for sure. Um, then it would kind of accelerate again. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. That totally does. And I think it just provides so much hope and makes people feel so just not alone. You know, I know we yes. say that probably yes. <laughs> anytime we chat, but yes. it's so true that like, it does get easier. You have to yes. hold on to that, you yeah. know, and those holidays and all of that, like that gives you the momentum to keep going. You yes. know, when you hit momentum those, it's like, sure. okay, I did it. For sure. What yep. else can I do? I love that. Yep. Okay. Well, back to our list. You can, you can breathe now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, okay. what is, I know, uh, what's your history with alcohol? So when did you start and when did you find that shift kind of start to happen when, you know, some people see it as flags or mm -hmm. just kind of started having that conversation in your head that it was time to reevaluate that relationship? Yep. So I think you and I have fairly similar stories and I know many women, especially out there have very similar stories to ours. Um, 
you know, I started drinking at the very end of high school, into college, drank socially with the occasional binge, you know, kind of your average, you know, collegiate drinker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, in my 20s, same thing. I would, you know, drink socially. Occasionally I'd have too much. Very occasionally I would black out, but I never, um, you know, I didn't feel great when I was hungover, but I never really dwelled on, you know, feeling like I had a problem or I just felt like I was sort of doing what everybody else did. Um, and that really continued honestly until uh, I became a mom. You know, I kind of was a social occasional drinker, you know, throughout my 20s. Um, and once I became a mom, you know, life gets really hard when you become a mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and that was, so I, I had my daughter in 2012 and I feel like that was almost, I mean, I hope it was sort of like the peak of wine mom culture. I mean, wine mom culture was, was big, big, big at that time. And I really felt enabled by that. I kind of allowed that to enable me and my drinking. And I sort of, I had, you know, tea towels and little signs I'd hang on the wall about drinking and wine o'clock and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, bought into it completely. And then it just got to a point, you know, once my kids um, around, you know, toddlerhood or kind of early elementary school, um, where I started realizing how reliant I had become on alcohol, you know, where, and also, of course, as I was getting older, you know, into my mid thirties, the alcohol was having more of an impact on me. So two glasses of wine in my twenties felt like nothing the next day two glasses of wine in my thirties with five years of sleep deprivation <laughs> under my belt <laughs> due to having kids felt a lot different, totally. you know? And so that all just kind of started to spiral. And the more I, the, the worse I started to feel about my own drinking, the more alone I started to feel in my struggle. Mm-hmm. And the more I would, now I realize I was creating stories about everyone around me and creating the story that everyone else could drink like a normal person, mm-hmm. you know, except for the, the unlucky few who had really serious problems with alcohol. Mm-hmm. So why couldn't I drink like a normal person? I was convinced of that story. I was absolutely convinced that all these other wine moms could just have their wine and be, you know, thin and glowy and, and energized. And I couldn't. And, so in, and I let that um, kind of fester. And I felt so much shame about that. And, you know, as my kids got older, they, especially my daughter, who's my older child, she started noticing these things. So she would, you know, I would take my wine out of the fridge at five o'clock on a Tuesday night and she would say, oh, it's mommy's wine time. Hmm. And that I would sort of laugh, but really inside that was just like a dagger to my heart. Sure. Awful, awful feeling. Mm -hmm. And, um, So it was once she started making comments like that, that I realized, okay, something really needs to change because I don't want her feeling the way I feel when, and if she becomes a mom. Right. And so she was kind of my first why, Mm -hmm. you know, because before I wanted to do it for myself, I wanted to do it for her because I was so low that I don't think I was enough motivation for me to make a change. Hmm. You know, I feel much differently now, but at the time I was just so low. I was so stuck in this, this cycle of shame that she was the one that really helped me out of that. She doesn't know it, but (laughs) someday she'll know it, but God bless her. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, so that's when 
things started to change and I kind of reached the end of my rope Okay, with drinking. Oh, I mean, you're right. Our stories are so similar, so similar. And it makes me sad, but also it feels re- like a relief. You when you hear that, am I yes, right? It's exactly. like, it makes you sad that there's so many that go through this and feel the way that we did. Mm-hmm. And yet a relief that it's not just us. Exactly. <laughs> you know? exactly. And the one thing that really stood out that you mentioned that was pretty powerful was when you were talking about how motherhood is, it's hard. Parenting yeah. is so hard. It's and so hard. Then, I mean, you just parent, just that alone with the levels of stress and all the changes and new responsibilities and just new everything. Mm-hmm. Then you pile on the shame and stress that you are doing to yourself with yep. alcohol. It's yep. just, it, it, it is so much harder. It, <laughs> so really, much harder. it really is. It really is. And alcohol tricks you into thinking that it's actually a solution totally. to how hard parenting is. Exactly. You know, that that's the messages that we're fed. At least I, those are the messages I was fed throughout my life, you know, mm-hmm. that it takes the edge off and it relaxes you and it relieves stress and it's mommy's time out and all that stuff. I bought into all of that. Same. Both subconsciously and consciously. Yeah. You know, we and deserve it. Deserve yes. it. Always. Ugh. It was that word. Ugh. You deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And of course it's a, it's a sham. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that was where I was going with this conversation was just mommy wine culture. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. just how big of an impact it has on moms and mm-hmm. how just it makes, it, it makes you feel like that is what we're supposed to do. Exactly. That, that wine is the crutch of motherhood, you know, yes. that that is how you survive. That's what you deserve. That's what you do. Yeah. And yeah. it just doesn't it's have a to tool. be that way. You know, yeah. that it's a tool. It's not poison, which mm-hmm. it's actually poison. It's mm-hmm. literal poison. <laughs> and Seriously. yet, you know, we are, we're all kind of programmed through movies and TV and ads and, and our peers and our parents perhaps, you know, to see it as a tool for survival. Do you look at all of that differently now? Like the memes and the shirts and the mugs, the things that we bought into and probably owned. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and it's so hard. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost painful to see that stuff now, you know, because I think what it brings up for me is just that time in my life where I needed all those things, you know, where I would walk into target and see the t-shirt about, you know, it's wine time or whatever. Mm -hmm. And and, you know, I think I bought at least one of those t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And so it makes me angry. It makes me sad, but it also just makes me all the more determined to have conversations like this sure. and to put myself out there on Instagram and to, you know, be brave in my real life and just own my status as a non-drinker and to not be afraid to just talk about that with people. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to be so nervous in early sobriety I was so nervous to be out there, mm-hmm. um, in the world, in my real life, in the world, you know, I'm out there on, I've been out there on Instagram since 2018, <laughs> but like in real life, it's a lot harder <laughs> totally. know, because I would, I would dwell on again. It's like, you know, it's so easy to fall into the trap of creating stories about what other people are thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want the other moms, the other school moms to think that I had a, a capital P problem. And I was so afraid. Sure if I admitted that I didn't drink, or if we all went out for a mommy's night out and I ordered a club soda, that they would assume that I have a serious drinking problem. 
And it took me a long time to let go of that. And I'm finally there. And it is so liberating. It is. It you really know, is. so like for anyone who may be, who may be in that stuck place of still caring what other people may or may not be thinking, first of all, you have no idea what people are thinking. Second of all, if they are thinking anything bad or, or if they say, you know, a rude comment or a, a, you know, something that makes you feel bad, that's on them. That's because they are questioning or they have a problem mm-hmm. with their own relationship with alcohol. And the third thing is that it is so worth the work that it takes and the time that it takes to get to this point of truly not giving a crap. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful place to be. It really is. You know, and I mean, easier said than done. Let's be honest. Yes. Oh, However, it is so hard. So, you hard. know, I mean, I still do it. I mean, I think we are the queen of <laughs> the queens of overthinking things, you yes. know, especially oh my gosh. Yes. in the beginning, especially yes. in the beginning. And I think, you know, you bring up a great point, you know, as moms, you know, working in the school, you know, volunteering and stuff, we mm. immediately get worried about that. I think in the beginning, like, oh gosh, like, what if they think blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Let them think. You know, being alcohol free gives you freedom, you know, gives you the opportunity to be free of that. And what is that saying? Like, whatever they think is none of our business, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's none of our business, you know, Exactly. and quite frankly, life is too short. So let them think what they think and live your life, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I want to loop back quickly, Uh, just briefly, you were talking about how your daughter, um, kind of started out as your main why in the beginning, Mm -hmm. um, you know, already kind of having those conversations in your head and feeling those feelings of shame. But then Mm -hmm. when she started pointing it out, it was like, Mm -hmm. man, okay. Do you mind commenting on like how perhaps your relationship changed or things that you changed when you became sober? Like, did you know? Yes, Jess, I do mind commenting on that. No, can you (laughs) cut time? Can I, can I talk about this for, for the next three hours? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Time out, time out. We need to take this out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so yeah, so my, oh my gosh, my daughter. Okay. So when she started making those comments to me, she was five. And so it was also right around the time that she started learning to read. So not only was she commenting when I would take the wine out of the fridge during the witching hour, but then I thought to myself, oh man, she can read now. I better mm. take down the tea towels that say, you know, wine o'clock and all the little sayings. And I had several, um, you know, I had the little napkins that say drink water, not wine, all that crap. And, um, sorry, I'll try to clean up my mouth. Um, Oh, you can say crap. It's okay. I'm set to explicit. Don't worry. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, that, that really was such a motivating factor for me, you know, to get that stuff out of my house, to get all the stuff with the, the written little, little meme sayings on there to get those things out of the house, to get the wine out of my fridge, you know, and that was really scary for me because I didn't have any other tools. Wine was it. Wine was what I used, but she sparked that motivation in me to start breaking up from wine mom culture, realizing that, um, you know, I, I have memories of when I was her age opening the refrigerator and seeing the box of, of Franzia, mm. you know, that was during the time when, when my stepdad wasn't working. So we didn't have a lot of money. And then there were other times where there were bottles of wine in the fridge, you know? And I remember thinking like, Oh, okay. You know, 
the wine in the box is for when we don't have a lot of money and the bottles are for when we do have a lot of money, either way, or we have more money, you know, either way, the wine was always there. Interesting. And I saw it as an integral part of adulthood hmm. and then getting to the point where I felt so awful all the time, you know, I realized that I don't want my kids seeing that. I don't want them seeing wine as an integral part of adulthood or as a rite of passage or anything like that, because it doesn't have to be. I thought it did, you know, so my daughter really was the beginning, the beginning of that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that's the thing. It's so normalized. We Mm -hmm. were not brought up per se by our parents, but just society in general, that that's what you do when you get older. Yep. You know, or at least that's what I thought. And the thing that really ticks me off now, I'm kind of going off in another direction. Sorry. But you know how normal it is to have alcohol present at some of the most memorable times in our lives, you know, kids, birthday parties, Christmas celebrations. And, you know, you have a really, really high chance of not remembering that day because of that. And And, and there's no way that you can be present mm -mm. during those occasions when you're, because when alcohol is there, because you're just thinking about alcohol. Because mm-hmm. you're thinking, how much can I drink? How much is too much? What if people notice that I'm drunk? Am I drinking as much as they're drinking or am I drinking more? Should I slow down totally. my drinking? You know, and then you're not there in the moment. Mm-mm. You know, I have a photo and I felt really embarrassed about this um, when I first stopped drinking. And now it's just one of these stories that I kind of own and I share it because, you know, again, I, I want people who may be struggling to feel less alone in their struggle. Mm-hmm but it's a story that really embarrassed me for a long time, but I'm going to tell it. Um, when my daughter, the day she started kindergarten, so my son was still in nursery school. My daughter started kindergarten. So that was a big day. As you know, you know, putting your kid on the bus for the first time, they go to school for the first time. Um, I remember that day thinking, okay, well, I'm going to start drinking it at three, three 30 once she gets home. Cause this is a celebration. We're going to celebrate the fact that it was her first day of kindergarten and wine was such an integral part of that. Mm-hmm. And so on that day, I have a picture that I posted to my personal Instagram account that day of my kids sitting at the kitchen counter um, eating. I think I got, I got cupcakes or something. So like they have their cupcakes and my glass of wine is on the counter. And I shot the picture at an angle where like the wine glass is huge. And then my kids are out of focus behind the wine glass. Hmm. And I look back at that photo now and think, that is the perfect symbol of what my life was as a wine mom. Wine was what was in focus, not my kids. Mm-hmm. Wine was my focus. Front and center. Yep. Man. Yep. And we all have those stories. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Oh, Jen, thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at my list. Where are we at? Let's see. Um, <laughs> we, we hit mommy wine culture. We hit your why. I kind of wanted to go uh, talk about the pandemic briefly because you were sober Mm -hmm. for the pandemic. And I think it's been so interesting talking to people and hearing their stories of, you know, I I had someone that drank through the entire pandemic and Mm -hmm. then that was their wake up call. Like, oh, wow, this is not serving me. This is not working. Um, We were different. We were both sober for it. In fact, I got sober right before it. I was going to say, if you're almost two years, you got sober right before. So my date was December 7th, right before. Wow. Um, And I kind of compare it as, you know, 
sobriety almost, it's like the pandemic was putting us to the test, all our tools. Am I right? Yes. Like it was kind of like, that <laughs> yes. was what we were training for. It's like, okay, now we got to be with ourselves. We've talked about this. You have to yep. learn to be with yep. yourself. <laughs> yep. Where's my toolbox? So I'm just curious, like, could you imagine drinking through the p- pandemic? When I think about that and I think about it a lot, especially as we're still in it two years mm-hmm. later, we're, I know, oh my I know, God, it I should make it. Um, <laughs> I have such relief. I feel so deeply relieved that I stopped drinking before this pandemic Mm -hmm. because I am 1000% sure that if I were still a wine mom at the start of the pandemic, I would have been that statistic of the women who increased their drinking during the pandemic. And, you know, I just, I, the gratitude and relief that I feel is profound. That's Mm -hmm. the only way I can describe it. It's Mm -hmm. like, brings me to my knees. Like I am so grateful that I stopped drinking before this pandemic. And I feel so deeply for people who, especially moms who have increased their drinking during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. because again, that used to be my only tool. Mm -hmm. And if that's your only tool going into something as crazy as this has been, of course, you're going to use that. And because alcohol programs us the way that it does, because it has the chemistry that it has, of course, you're going to need more Mm -hmm. because life hasn't gotten much easier. Mm -mm. It kind of got a little bit easy. You know, last summer, I feel like I didn't wear a mask for like two weeks and, you know, great. Mm -hmm. And then it just got bad again. So I know, you know, (laughs) I, I think, you know, my message to anyone who's, who's drinking has increased during this pandemic is first and foremost, forgive yourself. Totally. You are just using the tool that you have been taught to use Mm -hmm. and alcohol is just doing its job. And that's why you need more than you did in January, 2020. Mm -hmm. That's why you need more now because that's alcohol doing its job and alcohol always does its job. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a little more efficient Mm -hmm. than other times, but it always does its job. And what has been programmed in our head when things get hard and you want to escape or numb something out? Yep. What do you go to? Yep. You know, I mean, now we've learned other ways to cope, healthier, healthier Mm -hmm. things are in our Mm -hmm. toolbox, but I'm so glad that you said that, that to just give yourself some grace, you have to forgive yourself if you are in it right now, because things are hard, but I hope that listening to things like this provides a little hope. And exactly. shows you exactly. another option. So, yep. woo, what a, that was a great transition. I'm pretty proud of myself because now <laughs> <laughs> we are going to shift to the good. This is my Yay. my favorite. Um, Yay! We could we could go down a long road talking about pandemic and drinking and oh, all. <laughs> tell me about it. I know, but we but let's not. Want to, let's not. You know, let's not. Um, I want to know, big or small, what are some of the benefits that you started feeling? right when you removed alcohol. Yeah. Um, and it's okay if you didn't, but you can fast forward to when you started feeling those. Yeah. So I, I know that some people don't, but I did. I remember the first, so I started, I took my first break. My first real break from alcohol was dry January, 2018. And I remember the first night that I didn't drink, which would have been January 1st, I slept like a rock and that's not to say that I've slept like a rock every night since then. 
you know, and that's not to say that like, I didn't hit my snooze like three times this morning because I had a hard time getting up this morning as I know you did Jess, you know, so that's still ha- like, there are still crappy nights of sleep, but that was the first benefit that I noticed. And that was a revelation, you know, mm-hmm. to, to not wake up with night sweats or, you know, and then to wake up in the morning, not feeling shame or guilt. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was amazing. So I really felt that right away. And then the second benefit that I, that I distinctly remember feeling during my first try January was just increased patience with my kids. Mm. So again, they were um, six and three at that time. And I, before dry January, you know, I would start drinking around five o'clock and I used to, you know, by the time it was, you know, book time at their bedtime, I would read them books. I would skip pages. Mm -hmm. I would summarize that what was on a page instead of reading the whole thing to get it done faster. So I could go back downstairs to my wine. And I remember in that dry January, um, being up in their rooms with them and reading books and thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I actually want to be here right now, mm-hmm. reading this book. I actually want to be hanging out with my kids right now. And again, that feeling doesn't last. It, that is not constant. There are many <laughs> moments, even to this day where I go sit in my closet and lock the door and just tell them to go away. <laughs> so my kids still drive me crazy. They still push my buttons. I still lose my temper on occasion. But since the first couple of weeks that I stopped drinking, my patience has just increased Mm. so much, so much with them. And then also my presence, you know, just being able to be present with them and also in other areas of my life, Mm -hmm. but especially with my kids has been, it was one of the most immediate benefits and one of the greatest benefits of sobriety that I have experienced and continue to experience. I remember it was about um, three weeks into dry January, 2018, my daughter lost her first tooth and she lost it. And it was one of those where (laughs) you know, sometimes they pop right out. And then other times they like hang on for dear life. Right. And they're like hanging on by a thread. And especially because it was her first tooth, she was afraid to pull it out. So there was a lot of fear and anxiety around how much would it hurt. And, um, you know, and it had started sort of bleeding and she was really freaked out, um, for like days leading up to this. This was like a whole thing. (laughs) It took days for the tooth to come out. And so the day she lost it, she was, we were sitting together at, at the table doing like a craft project and it just kind of popped out. So after all this fear and anxiety leading up to this loss of a tooth, it just popped out. And she said, my tooth just fell out. And it was this moment where she was ecstatic. And I was so (laughs) relieved that it was like no more drama. And I re and that I realized in that moment, if I were still drinking, I wouldn't be able to be fully present for this moment. That was like sheer unbridled joy. Mm-hmm. She was so, she was just full of joy and my heart just, you know, burst for her. And right. it was this, it was really the first moment in my sobriety journey where I felt that. Mm-hmm. And it was just a beautiful moment of complete presence. And I, you know, to this day, I mean, I cherish that memory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I cherish it because it was her first tooth, but I also cherish it because it was really my first experience of that, that just total presence with yeah. my children. And again, there are times when I'm just like, go away. I don't want to see your faces, but <laughs> you know, you have to feel the bad so that you can really fully feel the good. 
And that was my first experience of really being able to fully feel the goodness in in that moment. I find that it's, it's overwhelming. It's emotionally overwhelming sometimes in the best way. Like, yes, you made me think of one of those situations for myself. And it was like, I was just driving somewhere and the windows are down and the music is up and you just look around and are just so it, it takes your breath away sometimes. Yeah. And I know that sounds so corny. And, no, and yes, it, it's not corny. Guess what? I have not- a term for it. Do you know my <laughs> term for this? Tell me. It's gut hug. Ooh. Because it's the opposite of a gut punch. I you know, a gut that. punch takes your breath away in like a bad way, right? Yeah. You like yeah. you lose your breath. It's awful. It, you know, a gut hug to me is that moment it's where so good. You, it takes your breath away because it's just this moment of, of just joy. Yeah. And right? that's and what it right. is. And it, out of the blue. Yep. And, and I first started experiencing those in, in my first dry January. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, all I'm doing is walking <laughs> the dog. Why am I so happy? You know, <laughs> it's like, you feel it, like you're in a musical, hug. like the birds are going to yeah. start talking and singing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. A gut but hug is. is what I call that. Yep. Oh my gosh. I'm going to write that down. I am going to yep. write that down. Oh, I love all of this. Um, Okay. Any new hobbies, accomplishments, or any other things that you've welcomed? Like what is, what is so good in your life? We talked about the benefits, but tell me what's yeah. going on. What so, has sobriety given you? So two, the two things that, that come to mind first and foremost are number one, becoming a coach. Mm. So that's something that has taken me so far out of my comfort zone. I never would have had the guts to do that, to do, to get my certification if I weren't alcohol free. Um, and it is the most fulfilling work of my life by far. So that, I mean, it's just so that for sure. And then number two, another big shift that I've noticed is that, and I think about this a lot because it's so important to me is that with fitness, with working out, which is one of my real, um, modes of self-care, it's one of my real tools as opposed to alcohol, which is not a real tool. Um, I move now for the, for the pleasure, for the enjoyment. And that's not to say that I don't push myself. I mean, I was on the treadmill this morning and almost felt like I was going to barf, but (laughs) in a good way, because I felt like I have a lot of energy and I really want to hit three miles and, you know, and it felt great. So when I was drinking, I would exercise to bust through a hangover or to burn off the calories of the alcohol that I consumed the night before, or like all these kind of like reasons rooted in negativity and shame Mm -hmm. and guilt and all the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And now I move to benefit my body, to get stronger, to have some time to myself, like for all the good reasons. Yeah. And it is just, it's a source of, of just such, um, you know, release and empowerment and joy in my life. And so that has been just such a wonderful shift that never would have happened if I had not stopped drinking. Uh, again, I, I really feel like I'm interviewing myself because <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how many mornings I would go run to run off the wine, yep. you know, to punish oh. myself for the yep. amount that I drank. The last Punishment. Before. Exactly. You yep. know, get up, you have to run. You did this. If you feel like crap, that's, that's on you. Mm-hmm. And I would listen to recovery podcasts while I ran wow. the next morning. So it's like, listen to that voice. You know, I mean, it doesn't happen yeah. overnight, but oh my gosh, what a shift to 
be able to go and 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 use exercise the right way now you yeah know? yeah and and appreciate our bodies and not quote unquote punish them you know exactly oh, exactly I'm such so a glad difference. you brought that up mm-hmm. such a difference yep okay looking forward this is our last question and then I want to know how people can get a hold of you yeah um, what are you most excited about you know, this new chapter, you're doing so many amazing things. I want to hear more about the coaching and what (laughs) you're looking forward to. Oh my gosh. What a great question. Um, you know, well, I'm looking forward to the end of this pandemic. Let's hope that happens at some point. I thought you were going to say podcast. I was like, Jen, you can't (laughs) say that. (laughs) No, are you kidding? I could talk to you all day. Stop. Um, you're going to have to cut me off. Um, no. So, you know, I really, um, I refuse to give up hope. I refuse to give up hope, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, okay, here's something I'm going to say out loud. And then I'm going to be sorry that I said it. I can't let go of the idea of running the New York city marathon mm-hmm. this year. Mind you, I can't run more than three miles. Like, I, I mean, I'm like, I, and I used to be a runner. I've run the marathon twice but a long time ago, 15 years ago was the last one that I ran. So I'm not a runner right now, Jess, but I cannot get this thing. Every time I get on my treadmill, I envision myself running the New York city freaking marathon. What I month cannot is get it? it out of my head. What's that? When do they run it? November. You'll run it. So, I mean, that could be happening because I just, I feel like it's this tug that just won't let go, which is insane. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but I also, I'm really looking forward to, you know, continuing my coaching practice and, and continuing to build that and to reach out to more people and to work with more people because it is the most fulfilling work of my life. And then the other thing I'm going to say out loud, just to, you know, scare myself and be brave is that I want to write a memoir and I've been mm. working on it on and off for several years about, about stopping drinking. Yeah. And I have it. I have a bunch of pages written. I have an outline. I, I have it. It's not done, but I have the bones. Um, and that also will not let go of me. So those are, those are kind of the marathon crazy. Um, my book and my coaching are like the three things that will not let go. So they are the three things that I am going to be, to be working on. And I, um, I'm just, I'm so excited for whatever, whatever lies in store, but I am determined to be someday. I'll be back on your podcast to talk about my book. Let me just say that. I love it. You know <laughs> what? Putting it it's, out there. Nothing you just said was crazy. Nothing. Um, you have plenty of time to train. It's not till November. <laughs> I'm sure that when you are training, your creative juices will be flowing. So yeah. you will come home and that pour it true. down Does on that paper to you. Oh, hundred like percent. When I'm running, I, I mm-hmm. am just like, even this morning on the treadmill, I was like, Oh, I gotta write this down. Yeah. I just, yeah. yeah. Yep. I know. So, Oh, I'm so excited for you. Oh, and nice. I just, I think you are capable of so many amazing things and you are doing it. So thank you for thank being you an guys. inspiration to any well, or everybody. You are an inspiration to me too. I mean, I just, you are so creative. Your creativity really inspires me. It, it truly does. You are so funny. You're so brilliant. And I just, um, you, I know you will continue to inspire me and so many other people. Oh, so it is just such a you. privilege to know you and, and to have connected with you. Thank you so much. Um, that means a lot. Thank you. 
And these conversations are what keeps me going because yeah. it's just motivation to oh, so good. keep putting ourselves out there. Yes, exactly. exactly. All right. I did lie. I have one more question and then I want you to tell people how to get a hold of you. Yes. Um, to the one person or many that is listening to this right now and feeling inspired, what advice can you give them? Whether it's a word, oh. a tool, what would you tell them? I would say... Never forget that you are capable of any change that you seek, any change that is, that is tugging at you. You are absolutely capable of making that change. I have, so I have much more to say, but I'll just stop there. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Jen. All right, Jen. Capability. That's one of the greatest gifts of sobriety, right? Capability. Wasn't that a word? I feel like you oh. had a word on our Instagram that we kept running into. I, that was I swear it was. that was it. I think that, that was I, it. That word is kind of always around me now and like in my lexicon because capable. It was capable. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. That to me has been absolutely one of the greatest gifts of sobriety is like instead of thinking of all the reasons why I, I can't do I mean, I'm talking to you about the marathon for goodness sakes. <laughs> and I'm gonna be 42. Like I, you know, it's capable, you know, but it's like, oh, but I'm capable. I I can yeah. do it. Yeah. You know, instead of the feeling of like, oh, I can't do that. It's like, well, I can do it. I just have to decide if that's what mm-hmm. I want to do. And if it's what I want to do, I can do it. And you oh. nailed it right there. Because if you can quit drinking, you can do anything. There you go. Oh, so true. You can. So true. Okay. How do people get a hold of you? All Drop right. It. So lay it out. Um, on Instagram, I am at Jen Butler Coach, Jen with one N. And my website, my coaching website is joyenduring.com, as in finding joy in the present moment in the journey in during. Mm. So J O Y I N during.com. And on my website, I detail all of my coaching packages and, and things like that. I'm currently um, doing a dry January booze break program, which has been awesome. And I'm going to repeat that program. Well, I'm going to tweak it um, for dry July and then also for sober October. So I'm going to run the program three times a year and it will be tweaked for each different time of the year based on, you know, holidays and things that, that crop up during those times, long weekends and things to offer kind of personalized support during those three months of the year. Um, and you know, so just reach out to me, DM me or contact me through my website, sign up for my newsletter. Um, and just know that I am here and people can just sign up for a free call with me just to chat and to see if we'd be a good fit for coaching. But also if you just want to vent or unload or get, you know, my two cents on things, I am absolutely here. And I'm just so happy to be able to support women along this journey. I'm so proud of you. And I am so thankful to know you. So, oh my gosh. Well, ditto. And I'm so proud of you for launching this podcast. Oh, isn't it wild? It's so fun. It's awesome. (laughs) So fun. Pouring a cup of coffee and talking. In fact, now we can have more coffee because I get too nervous (laughs) to drink on the mic. So, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) With that being said, cheers to more coffee today. And um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Jess. Bye, Jen. Bye. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, you can head over to decidedlydry.com. If you enjoy the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe and to leave an awesome rating or review over on Apple Podcasts. It's sure been a treat spending this time with you. And just remember, if the only thing you did today was stay sober, you are winning. I'll see you next time.